Hello and welcome to Hamsa Holistic Healing and Ayurveda Podcast. I'm your host, Sherry, and I'm excited to welcome back Sydney Hetrick for episode number 32, where our topic of conversation will be astrology, Western astrology. What is it? How does it work? How does it affect our lives? And how exactly do you read an astrological chart? That's coming up next. Hello and welcome to Hamsa Holistic Healing and Ayurveda Podcast. I'm your host, Sherry, and it is my deepest desire to journey with you down the path to better health, mind, body, and spirit through the practice of mindfulness and spiritual awakening. Here in this sacred space, we will examine how the practice of higher consciousness and self-awareness can actually lead us to an optimal state of physical and spiritual health. We will talk about the various ways to increase our awareness and support one another along this beautiful journey. Thank you for being here and welcome. Sydney is a community architect with a metaphysical shop based in Vernon, New Jersey called Crystals of Quartz House of Healing. Her shop includes crystals and sound healing tools, a yoga studio, in-house readers and healers, and more. She herself is an astrologer, crystal healer, and tarot reader. She has created an amazing community of like-minded people and a safe space where you can come to grow on your spiritual path. Her psychic fairs, moon circles, and other events are out of this world. Hi, Sydney. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Sherry. So happy to be back. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to see you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, 2023. 2023. And this is always the month where the astrologers come out with what is going to happen for the year in astrology. So it's a good month to do this podcast, I think. So we're going to do astrology 101 today because I think Western astrology, I want to make that little side note, because I did do a podcast with my Ayurvedic doctor friend, Dr. Victor Breer, who does Vedic, right? So Eastern based astrology, which is a little bit different than Western. Mm -hmm. So today, but you and I are going to talk about Western astrology from this society that we live in this culture. And what most people are familiar with is this astrology that we're talking about today. So I always like to start the podcast because I want to keep this very basic so that people can really understand from the ground up how cool astrology is and how accurate it is. Because it's like crazy accurate. It really is. It's wild when you get into it. It really is. And it answers so many questions about ourselves, you know, people around us. So, So here's a definition that I looked up, right? It's very wordy. Astrology is a type of divination that involves the forecasting of earthly and human events through the observation and interpretation of the fixed stars, the sun, the moon, and the planets. It's a study of movements and relative positions of celestial bodies interpreted as having an influence on human affairs and the natural world. Mm -hmm. I love that definition. I think that's great. 
Yeah. It's pretty wordy. If you don't know what astrology is like, okay, I still don't know what astrology is. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to hand it over to you. What, you know, how does this all work? It's fascinating. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's a really great description, but you're right. Like maybe it's still a little confusing if you don't have any idea, like what astrology really is more than like, say your sun sign. You and I were talking a bit before the podcast, and I think we've talked in person before about how astrology is so creepily accurate. If creepily is a word, it's so accurate, but a lot of people don't believe in it because all they've ever heard of is their sun sign. Right. And what this is like the most interesting thing to me is when I start breaking it down for people and people sort of start to understand that like your sun sign is just this tiny, tiny portion of this vast map, I'll I'll say of who you are, like it's a map of the stars and the planets that describes you and the sun is just one tiny part of that entire thing. And that's what our zodiac sign is, is just our sun sign. That's just where the sun was when we were born. And the sun stays in one place for much longer than some of the other planets, you know, so the sun, well, much shorter, really, but also longer in some ways it makes up such a small portion of who we are. And then there's so many different other aspects of ourselves. Like if you only know your sun sign, that's great. And if it explains you well, that's great. But for many people, our sun sign is kind of overshadowed by other aspects of our chart. So we also have the, a lot of people are familiar with the big three. Um, And if you're not, we'll all explain all of it. But the big three is essentially your sun sign, which I think pretty much everyone knows their sun sign in astrology. It's the zodiac sign. And then most people or some people, when you're a little bit more advanced in astrology, you'll also know your moon sign and your rising sign. So your moon sign is going to explain sort of how you move in the world emotionally and how you are as an emotional being. Your sun sign, which is the one most people know about, that is your ego. That's how you present yourself um, and how you feel about yourself. But your rising sign then is how the world sees you, like how you are actually showing up, not how you think you're showing up, but how other people see you. And your rising sign, this can get confusing when you're learning astrology. Your rising sign is also called your ascendant sign. So it is the astrological sign that is rising over the horizon when you're born. So the rising sign is really out of those big three planets, celestial bodies, that is the one that changes most frequently. So somebody that is born on the same day as you, even in the same hospital might have a slightly different rising sign than you, because that is the one that changes most frequently is, is the rising sign. So in other words, if a person is born the same day as you, the same year as you, Mm -hmm. different time of the day. Yeah. It could possibly affect the rising. Yeah, absolutely. Like they could be born in like the same hospital in the same town Um, But if they're born, like one of you is born in the morning and one of you is born at night or even within an hour of each other, depending on when the celestial bodies are moving and changing placements, you could have a totally different rising sign. So you might be similar in a lot of ways, but then the way the world sees you might be totally different the way you actually show up. I remember in the newspaper, there used to be like your horoscope. Yeah. Yeah. So 
May being born in March, I always, you know, I'm a Pisces. So I would read what, what the dealio was for that day for the Pisces. And it's like, I was so satisfied with that. And then I found out (laughs) that I'm also, you know, a Gemini moon and a rising Libra. Yeah. So it all like went down the tubes after I found out, you know, there was so much more to me than, I mean, this is how it is for people. There's so much more to you than you think. And so when we say a moon sign, a sun sign and a rising sign. So explain, please, if you would, when we're, we come into the world and is this the moment when this has all this influence, when we take our first breath or is it when we're conceived? That's a loaded question, Sherry, because okay. we can get into some philosophical stuff here. Yeah, it just came but... to me. Actually, let's go on the, the premise then that it's when we take our first breath. My, my beliefs on like how we choose what's going on in our lives is definitely, there's a lot to that. So that's yeah. a whole nother podcast probably. Yeah. But um, if I would say that all of that anyway is going to dictate the time and place and parents that we're born with all of that. So the, the first breath is what, in, in a nutshell, to simplify this whole thing, I will say it is our first breath, even okay. though I think that's dictated by other things. Okay, um, cool. <laughs> so at the time when we sort of take our first breath, when we emerge from our mother's womb into the world is the time that's written down on our, our birth certificate, which if you get into astrology, you got to, you got to either find your birth certificate to know your exact time of birth, or you have to ask your mom and hopefully she has a good memory. It's, it's very funny. It's like, you know, people joke that like, you know, if you, if you start dating someone, you got to have them ask their mom, like what time they were born, (laughs) but it's all sort of about the time you were born. And a lot of stuff won't change too much based on the time, but your rising sign will, like we talked about. So unless you know the time you were born, you won't be able to maybe accurately do your birth chart or understand your rising sign because it does change frequently. So it's very important to know your time of birth. So if somebody's just getting into astrology, I would say that's your first step because you should always start learning astrology by looking at your own chart and learning about who you are. And sometimes, you know, that's hard to find. I actually... My mom lost my birth certificate in a move at one point, and I had to contact the hospital that I was born in and have them send it to me. I think it cost $25 or something, but very worth it because then I knew for sure that I was a cancer rising, which made so much sense um, and made a, made a lot of sense for like who I am as a person. But yeah, I mean, astrology is so fascinating to get into. You can learn so much about yourself and it helps you move through the world and understand why you're here. Like, I feel like a lot of the times the question people have is like, what's my purpose? And for me, like, I've always felt like kind of like wayward, like what I could do this or I could do that. Or like, I have like a lot of passions. And until I fully understood like my birth chart and astrology, I wasn't so sure on it, but when you understand your own birth chart, it's like you, you have like a whole blueprint, like a map of who you are and like, and how you came here and like what you're here to do. And it's just like, it's a relief for me. I find it very comforting. Like I find astrology very comforting and calming and it's, you know, it doesn't necessarily tell you everything, every step you're going to do and tell the future in a, in the way that maybe like a tarot card reading or a psychic reading might but it does tell you like which sort of road to take. 
it's sort of different. You know, you kind of understand both because you're a tarot card reader and, you know, you also understand a bit about astrology. Do you know what, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. It's kind of like a validation to why yeah. you want a certain thing. So let's pretend a scenario here where someone comes in and they're meeting Sydney for a astrology reading. Astrology. Mm-hmm. Okay. They come in, they give you your, their date of birth, the yeah. date of time, and then you start doing what? So I will take their information and I will create their birth chart for them on the spot. It's pretty quick to do. And then I look at their chart and I, the first thing I always do, because most of my clients are beginners, like most of the time they come to me and they know their, they know their sun sign, they know their Zodiac sign. They might know their moon and their rising, but a lot of people don't. Most of my clients have pretty much no idea about their birth chart. So the thing about me is my life path is to be a teacher, which I'll, I can explain that either in this episode, how I found that out, or I could explain it in a part two, if we, if we do that. But what I do is I always sit down and I face the chart towards them and I just start pointing at things. And I'm like, I want people to understand visually what they're looking at. And I want them to be able to have the power then to go and look at their own chart and find things and understand things. Or if they see one of my videos that I post about astrology, they can figure out where that planet is in their chart and what that means, et cetera. But let me back up. So I'm looking at your chart with you, Sherry. Let's pretend you're my client. The chart is going to look like a big circle. And then there's also like a table to the side of it. And the circle essentially in the middle of the circle is going to be, you know, your, your initial circle in the very, very center. There's a very small circle. It's almost like a big bullseye. When you look at like a birth chart, if you look at just the main circle and then the little circle in the middle, And the little circle in the middle is going to be like the center point where your mother was and you were as you emerged into the world. That is like essentially like I tell people like I describe it as like a snapshot of the sky. So imagine that your mother was laying in bed at the moment you were born and she just took like somehow took an astrological photo of the sky above her head, above your head. Yep. And that image is going to have different things in it. On the inside, right around that circle that represents where you were born, there's going to be numbers. And those numbers are going to be explaining the houses. I'll explain where they are in the chart. And then afterwards, I'll tell you what they mean. So first we have the numbers and then those are related to these little like pie slices. Mm -hmm. So those are the houses. And then when you look inside those pie slices, there's going to be symbols, which most of the time to a novice person who's not experienced with astrology, you won't understand those symbols off the bat, but those symbols are planets. Okay. And those are planets like, you know, Mercury, Mars, Venus, the planets in our solar system. And then next to those planets, you'll see little tiny numbers. Those numbers are degrees. That's a pretty deep thing. You might not want to worry about that when you first start learning about astrology. And then on the outside ring of that circle, outside of where the planets are, you're going to see what most people are familiar with is the symbols of the actual sun sign, zodiac signs, the astrological signs. Okay. It's kind of like a math problem to look at a chart. I personally hate math, but I loved geometry growing up. So it's kind of like 
a little bit of geometry too. And you're kind of just like adding things together. Or you could see it like the game Clue, right? You know how there's like people and they have objects and they're in a place, right? If that's easier to understand, we'll go with that analogy. There's the houses, which is the where, where something is occurring. And each one of those houses has a different meaning. Then we have the planets, which is the who. So who is doing the action? So comparing it to the game Clue kind of makes sense, right? And then there's also the zodiac signs, which is the the how. That's pretty much how it works. So they all are kind of different pieces of a puzzle that add up together. And it's like, if you have this with this, then it equals this. It's a fun game of like pairing things and understanding how they relate to each other. And And then the last thing that you'll see in a birth chart is a bunch of lines through it with different colors, potentially, and different shapes that could potentially be formed. And those are called the aspects. And that is aspects and degrees. I don't think we should touch on today really at all, because it is much deeper than the planets, the signs and the houses. That's where it really should all start. Because then you can get into transits, you can get into all these different things. I mean, it's just, it is layers. It goes deeper and deeper and deeper. I haven't gotten to the bottom of it all yet, but it is a bottomless pit of information that you could literally study about just yourself for your entire life. So the, the moon, the sun, and then the planets all have energetic influence at that moment in time over the incarnation of this person's soul or manifestation of coming into as a human being into this particular incarnation. Um, And so this is how we start to break down the traits of a human, like an example would be the planet Mercury. Yes. Is linked to um, that's communication. Mercury might be another planet that people are sort of familiar with. If you have like a little bit of an interest in astrology because people are always talking about Mercury retrograde. So Mercury is the planet of communication. It deals with technology. It's about our intellect and how we think our mental thoughts. So to give you a little bit of an understanding, like when Gemini goes into retrograde, which is what people talk about, it can mess up our communication. It can mess up technology. It can mess up travel. It can mess up pretty much anything related to that. I personally have my moon in Virgo and my sun is in Gemini, which are two planets ruled by Mercury. So honestly, Mercury retrograde is something I have had to learn how to love because it is definitely an astrological transit and event that for me was a struggle, like for most of my life. And I never understood it until I paid attention to when they were happening. And then it was like, oh, okay. During this time, I should kind of slow down, maybe not take on new projects, that kind of thing. So yeah, so Mercury is definitely a a planet that it could be useful to get to know a little bit. So each person has all of these influences in their chart and these planetary energies or influences fall in these 12 houses. Yes. Where? And then that house... And where they fall is going to kind of determine the amount of energy from that planet. Is that a fair statement or? Sort of, yes. So like the houses, I would say it explains sort of like the energy around what's going on. So it's the where, it's like 
is it happening in your house of say creativity? So let's do sort of like a little pretend reading. Like, so we're in Capricorn season right now, right? So the second house deals with our thoughts on money. So if you had the sign Capricorn in the second house, Okay. That would mean Capricorn is like the worker, right? That's why everyone wants to like set resolutions during Capricorn season. Right. Um, that's why it, it gives us a drive, right? They're an earth sign. So they care about like earthly things. So Capricorns love money. So having it in the second house would mean that you have, you know, a really strong idea about like your thoughts on money. Like you want to make money in this lifetime. If you have Capricorn in the second house, like that is something that matters to you. Your daily thoughts on money are like, please give me more. I will work hard for it. Thank you. Yeah. That's a great example right there of the houses and how they affect. Now somebody else could have Capricorn in a less monetary house. Yeah. And then it wouldn't be it would be a it different. Would be different. Right? So, so if you had Capricorn in say like the fifth house, which is like the house of like creativity, you might just be like a wayward artist. Like your ambition is, and your drive is towards creating, but you don't really care if it brings you money. You just want to create and put things out there. Like your work drive would be more sort towards like, I want to create things that are beautiful in the world. Okay. And you might not care so much about money. You could be a starving artist with Capricorn in the fifth house. Can we go through the houses and their influence? We're getting somewhere with the why people are so different born within the same month. So yeah, we can definitely go through the houses. The first house is all about you. It's the house of the self. That's why that is where the rising sign or the ascendant sign is, right? So the ascendant sign is all about how the world sees us, how we show up. It's our outer appearance. It's like, you know, when you just get a hair, your haircut and you feel really good about yourself and the world sees that. And they're like, wow, look how confident she is, or he is, or et cetera. So the first house is like your outer appearance, how the world feels about you, how the world sees you, that kind of stuff, depending on what planets are inside that house and what sign is in that house that'll influence sort of who you are. So for me, I'll give examples of myself um, because I know about myself more than anyone else. So my first house is in cancer. So like growing up, I would cry all the time at like the drop of a hat and everyone's like, oh, she's so sensitive. Like she's just so sensitive, you know, like people would have to be like careful with my emotions because they're right on the surface. They're right there. Everyone can see them. Like I have a tattoo of a heart on my wrist because I wear my heart on my sleeve, you know? Which is funny because I didn't know that my, that Capricorn was my rising sign when I got the heart. Cause I was before I got into all this stuff. So that's the first house, right? That energy of the first house is how the world sees you. Right. And I didn't want everyone to see me crying all the time. You know, I was very sensitive about the fact that I was sensitive, <laughs> but it wasn't something I could help because that was my rising sign. You know, it was just what was going to happen. Like my emotions were always just right there for everyone to see. It's just part of who I am that I've come to love. The second house we already talked about a little bit. That's about our like feelings about money. Those typically come from like the way we were raised, things like that. So the second house can, in my opinion, get a little bit into the inner child too, which people don't usually talk about, but I feel that way because it's sort of the way we were raised and some of our mental thoughts on money and finances. Your your thoughts on your finances and money probably do come from your parents or whoever raised you, you know? Um, so the the second house 
depending on what's there and what planets and all those things, it's going to affect how you feel about money and earning money and that kind of thing, your drive. Oh, so each of these houses are also ruled by a sign of the Zodiac. So you can kind of understand how the houses interrelate with the Zodiac. And there's also a planet that's related to there's so much Sherry. It's so hard to do an hour long podcast on this. The second house is ruled by Taurus. So it's an earth sign again. You know, having an earth sign in your second house is, is pretty good. You know, if you have all of your houses lined up the way they are related to the Zodiac, then that means, you know, you've kind of, you come into this life a little bit more balanced than some of us. Right. Um, Cause that's fairly rare. You know, there's like a, what, I don't know, one in 12 chances, I guess, to have it. That's like not that common. So then the third house is, you know, ruled by Gemini. And which is also ruled by Mercury. So that's the planet. So that's going to be about like communication and how we speak in the world, how we, sh- how we sort of share our thoughts and things like that. That's the third house. Then the fourth house is ruled by cancer. And the fourth house is about our feelings, but it's also like the other thing about cancer is that it's all about like the mother. It's about nurturing it's about the home. Cancer is all about the home as well. Cause you know, our, our mothers are often our original home. It's first place we live. So that's the fourth house energy. And then the fifth house is ruled by Leo. So the fifth house is about creativity, like that inner child creativity, where it's just sort of like freeing and it feels good. Um, this can also be related to sexuality sometimes, um, and like our sex drive, potentially, that's the fifth house. And then the sixth house is another one that relates to our finances, but it's like our sort of more like our daily habits around finances, our, um, our daily habits and our routines. Does that make sense? Yeah. It, okay. Cool. Now I want, do you know which planet rules the sixth? house so virgo does like daily routines organization so the sixth house would all be about like organizing like when i hire employees i haven't done it in a while but i used to be like can i see your birth chart and like (laughs) i would look at the sixth house to be like are you going to be like a hard worker because if somebody has (laughs) not to hate on aquarius but if somebody has like aquarius in their sixth house i'm gonna be like Ooh, I don't know. Like you might not be the type to like really stick with it at a job or even just with your routines at the job, you might be kind of like a little bit airy and you're like, I want to go do this. And then I want to go do that. And sometimes that's good, but you have to like, then have coping mechanisms, like writing lists and things to like bring yourself back exactly. um, to the goals. <laughs> yeah, sure, exactly. Um, so that would be the sixth house. And then The seventh house is the one everybody wants to come get a reading for, but they don't know that it's the seventh house that they want to look at for a reading until they come in, but it's the house of, can you guess Sherry? It's love Libra. Relationships. Love. It's Libra. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So it's the house of Libra. It's all about, you know, relationships and all of that good stuff. Mm Yeah. Yeah. That's a, this, this is the one that everybody wants, you know, next month, February, I'm probably going to have a lot of people asking me for relationship readings and I'm going to be like, okay, let's see what's going on in your seventh house. Cause that's going to help me out understand, you know, how you love 
and who you would love and like what you need out of a long-term romantic partner. Libra is the sign of relationships. Like if you are, if you have a lot of Libra in your chart, you came here to do work with relationships, like interpersonal relationships. Sometimes it's not always romantic, but it is related to relationships. Libra is also the sign of the artist. So Libra's also come here to do art, create art, that kind of thing too. Yeah, um, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. They love beauty. They're okay. like ruled by Venus. It's like all this like love and beauty and all that kind of stuff. So yep, definitely. We're eight. The eighth yeah. House, right. So the eighth house is ruled by Scorpio who gets a very bad rap often. But Scorpio is all about death and rebirth. And that's what the eighth house is about. Um, Ruled by Pluto as well. Pluto is the planet of death and rebirth. So all of these things, like the easiest way to learn about it is probably to go about it this way, where you're like this, this and this and this are all similar energy, right? So the eighth house, Scorpio and Pluto all have that death, rebirth, transformative energy, which can be really scary for people sometimes because we, not everyone loves change. For, for me, I, I love change. I'm like usually very open to change and that has a lot to do with my personal chart, but some people really are not happy with changes. And so this eighth house can sometimes be a difficult place for a lot of people. It's hard to let things go oftentimes. Um, and that's what this house is all about. Letting things go so you can bring in the new energy. Okay. Then the ninth house is uh, ruled by Sagittarius. The ninth house is about like seeking, like the things we want in our life. Um, what do we want to sort of bring in? It's like once, once everything in the eighth house is removed, what do we desire after that? What do we want to learn? What is our philosophy? Those kinds of things. And that's what Sagittarius is all about. They're about philosophy. They're about seeking. They're about adventure, that kind of thing. Does that make sense? Sense for the ninth? Okay. Perfect. And then Um, The 10th house is also related to career and money. So when I look at doing a- that the Capricorn house? That is Capricorn, yep. The 10th house. So the 10th house is about work and money, but it's about it in a a slightly different way. So it's more about like the sort of the who in our- financial stuff. So the thing that a lot of people don't realize about Capricorn, because people think of them as like the workhorse, but they're also the most generous sign of the Zodiac. Like Capricorns are, they want to provide. So they, they want to work hard because they want to provide for others. Okay. So that's the whole thing is like, they're not just about themselves. So it's the 10th house might show you who you're providing for. It might talk like be slightly about like family, that kind of thing. It might talk about your friends. It might talk about your work associates, the type of people you'd like to work alongside the people that would inspire you. Uh, Maybe even your boss might show up here, that kind of thing. And so that's the 10th house. Um, Then the 11th house is Aquarius. Mm -hmm. So this is interesting. Like the 10th and the 11th house are kind of similar. They're talking sort of about like people in your life, but the 11th house is like community. It's a broader sense of people. So it's not just the smaller groups in your life. It's like the larger community as a whole. So like community is like your local community, right? Like for me, like I have a community built around my shop that comes to like our moon circles and all of these things. Like that's my community that I, that I built. 
but everyone has some sort of community, right? You have, maybe you have a community that you live in, like you live in a, in a complex and everyone's kids plays play together. You know, who knows there's community could be like the school you go to the college you're at. It could be the work you're at. If you work for like a large corporation or like a large group of people, it's about like bigger groups of people, community. Can it be about like your tribe of friends, like your tribe of like, like if you're a yoga person, mm-hmm. your, your fellow yogi yeah. that you commune with? Absolutely. It could even be about it in like maybe a broader sense. Like you're part of a community. Maybe you don't even interact with all these people, but you fit into a community of yogis just because you do yoga. So the whole world of yogis is kind of your community, oh, you know? Cool. Yeah, that's cool. So it's like, it, it can go as broad as you want it to. I mean, this could even go into like the planet, you know, yeah. the planet is a community of people, right? It's a huge okay, so community. Aquarius is pretty expansive. It is. It's definitely really expansive energy. And that's why it's hard to fix, fit Aquarius into like a little box because yeah. they're very outside of the box like free thinkers, feelers, all that. So yeah. and air it's an air sign. It is. is expansion, you know, and like exactly. And then and then we're on the 12th house. The last yeah. <laughs> so the 12th house is a fun house. It's the house of spirituality. Um they're ruled by Pisces, which is the most spiritual sign of the zodiac. It's a beautiful house where you can find out about somebody's maybe like religion or like their spirituality. If they're not in like a normal religion, you might see things pop up for somebody. If they like left a religion, you know, you might have Pluto in there if they've had a lot of transformation in their spiritual beliefs. It's a pretty interesting, interesting house to look at for, for some people. Like some people have a lot of activity there. Some people have less and that goes for all the houses and the whole chart. So there's often times where I'll look at someone's chart and they have all the planets in one little area of their chart. Yeah. And then there's other times where it's totally spread out throughout the whole chart. So like my chart is all over the board. Like there's not a spot that's, I mean, there are empty houses. Pretty much everyone always has like an empty house. It's uncommon to have something going on in every house. But for me, it's like they're spread out through the whole thing and kind of kind of like almost, you know, equally distanced apart. But then some people have just one house where it's everything. And and it's it's just fascinating because every single client's chart that I look at is so unique. Even if you came in with somebody that was your twin, like you might, I mean, maybe not your exact twin, but if you were born like two minutes apart, you might have a different rising sign. So pretty much everyone's chart is super unique to them. It's literally impossible unless you are a twin to have the same chart as somebody else. Because even if you're born on the same day in the same town, you know, you could have a different ascendant sign. Or if you're born at the exact same time, you might be born across the world from somebody else. And that still changes things. So So if a person is a sun sign Pisces, and then they're fifth sign is Pisces and their sixth sign is Pisces in it. Is it fair to say then that maybe that in that particular situation, their sun sign would be strongly Pisces because Pisces is showing up in several houses as well? Well, so your sun sign is always going to be what it is. And there still will be some aspect of that that is true for your, at least your ego, right? Like that's never going to change. 
but it just might be that other things overshadow it. But in a case where somebody has a lot of Pisces elsewhere in their chart, they're just going to show up strongly feeling like a Pisces. So if somebody has a lot of Pisces in their chart, they're probably a really spiritual person. They have like a lot of work that they're doing in this lifetime on spirituality. Yeah. Great question. If you have a lot of Pisces placements, you probably have a tendency to feel like a Pisces to people or to yourself. Is it possible to have a spiritual awakening? So you trans you're transforming, you're losing things that don't serve you anymore. And you're Mm -hmm. re-emerging as your true authentic self. You find that your ascendant sign, your rising sign is in Libra. Yes. And, but you never had any artistic abilities that you knew of. Mm -hmm. Is, Is it possible that your rising sign, which is your true manifestation of who you truly authentically are, Mm-hmm. can reemerge after a spiritual shift or an awakening and allow that energy of whatever the ascending sign Libra, as an example, and yeah. then all of a sudden you find your artistic gifts. Yeah, absolutely. Beauty in the world or whatever. Is there a tie? And this, this is getting philosophical again, because I'm highly Pisces. This is how I, <laughs> this is how I talk, but I'm wondering as we're going through this, is the rising sign sometimes not accessible until we have a spiritual shift of some sort? That's a really good question. Um, I think that that can be very true. It's that's interesting. So this, is this a story about you, Sherry? It's a story about me because I thought so. So I, I think that that can definitely be the case. So I actually would love to look at your North node, which is about your life path, because it would be really interesting to see like how that plays in. What's a North node? A North node is your life path. It's your current life karma, what you came here to do. It's like your life purpose. This is what I start people with in any astrological reading that I do. Nobody really knows about it because it's not a planet and it's not an astrological sign. It is actually a mathematical coordinate based on the moon when you were born. There's a different North node in the chart of the sky every day, but we as people also have it. So it's the meaning of your life. So it's, so it's north, yeah, my North node is in Gemini in the ninth house. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. We, we could definitely talk about that, but I want to get back to your original question because yeah, yeah. that's a loaded thing. You and I will have to like sit down and look into that, oh, yeah. but, but I'm very interested to look into that for sure. But I think for a lot of people, the rising sign may be overshadowed sometimes by other things in our chart, because you're right. Like, uh, I look at it sometimes as the way the world sees you, but sometimes the way the world sees you is who you really are. Right. And like your ego might be playing tricks on you, making you think you're more like your sun sign for most of your life. When really, if you kind of quiet that ego, the rising sign can truly rise and right. Like a Kundalini awakening, you're into yoga, right? So like it's rising up. Yes. to meet you. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, maybe this is me. But I will also say, interesting that yours is Libra, because not only is that, and I wonder if this happens for a lot of Libra risings, but not only is that the sign of the artist, they're also the sign of relationships. So Libras have this 
really difficult tendency to be people pleasers. So I wonder if for a lot of your life, you were trying to do the right thing or like the good girl thing and to please people around you instead of doing what your heart really wanted, which was to create art and live authentically as yourself. And it took until you had that spiritual awakening to discover that you were actually using sort of the shadow side of Libra. Like you were still showing up as a Libra and people liked it. People love Libras. Don't get me wrong. They're never going to think that, you know, you're awful. If you have a Libra rising, people are drawn to you, but you weren't being true to yourself. You were doing things maybe for somebody else. That's right. Yeah. It's so fascinating. And it's like you said, it's so hard to pack all of this in an hour. Yeah. So when we end this episode, we'll talk because I want the listeners to know that if it works out for us that we can get together next week, we we will continue this conversation and you can do for me, or I can even, you know, whoever um, who's listening might want you to do a a reading for that. Sure. Yeah. I think we should do a North node reading for you and figure and figure that out. Cause that would be really cool. Perfect. Yeah. And, and, you know, even next time you could use my information and then we can go through it. This was like an overview, a grassroots yes. basic astrology 101 introduction to yes. this amazing, fascinating, accurate, creepily accurate, creepily. <laughs> I think I use that word because I, I definitely think that's a word. Um, Feels like a word, right? It should be. I, yeah, it's to- it is today. It's totally <laughs> It's just, it's so fascinating. You and I speak the same language of the metaphysical part of life and existence. Um, mm-hmm. Astrology, tarot, the Claire's numerology. They're beautiful gifts to us. And it's also intertwined. So like once you get into one thing, you can't help but just add it all together. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's what we'll try to do. We'll get together next week, maybe. We'll we'll try and I'll let everyone know. And I just, I again, I appreciate your time so much. I would like you to please let the listeners know where you are, any offerings you have and how they can contact you for an sure. astrology reading. Yeah, absolutely. My name's Sydney and I own this cute little metaphysical store called Crystals of Quartz. We have a space that's called the Crystals of Quartz House of Healing in Vernon, New Jersey. It's really just like my, I have a child, but it's my other child. It is like my, my dreams. And it is a space where I can sort of live out my passion, which is teaching, which, you know, we could talk about both of our North nodes maybe next time. And I can explain what I learned about myself. I'm here to teach. And this is a space where I literally, all I do is teach. I teach people about crystals and how to heal yourself. I teach people when they get readings about astrology. I teach all kinds of different classes on like tarot 101, all kinds of stuff. Um, But you can find me here in my physical shop, or you can find me at crystalsofquartz.com. That's our website. If you want to purchase any metaphysical tools, Um, we have a lot more than just crystals. We have a ton of stuff. You could also reach me on my astrological Instagram, which is called light up your stars. And then we also have the, the Instagram for the house itself and all of our events, which is called C.O.Q.House of Healing. 
and those are all Instagram. We're also on TikTok. Um, it's crystals of quartz with an underscore. I post my astrological videos there. We post stuff about crystals. There's a lot of information. I'm hoping to start a podcast this year. You've inspired me, Sherry. So maybe I'll be in touch with that soon. I'm trying to think what else I have that I'm not thinking of. I mean, those are probably the best ways to reach me. Crystals of at gmail.com. You could reach out for a reading or you can just reach out to me on my Instagram. You can also order a reading on the website and schedule it with me. I can do them digitally. Not a problem, especially with astrological readings. We can do them digitally, not a problem at all. I prefer astrological readings digitally to tarot because I can literally just look at your chart versus I like with tarot to have like the back and forth, but I can also do them digitally. Um, (laughs) Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much. I know there is so much information inside of you to like get out. And so next time we, we get together for part two, we will do a chart. And, and that will be, that will be cool. Um, we'll do a chart and it'll be more of like an example of how this all works out. I think the visual aspect will help too. I don't know if you'd be able to like put it up on the screen. Yeah, we could, we could definitely try to do that. I'm sure we can figure that out. So thank you so much. Yeah. It's so I always enjoy so much our conversations. They're just, Yeah. All right. So, um, we will, we'll get together soon and I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks much. Sherry. Have a good one. You too, Sydney. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. If you would like to experience healing or give the gift of healing to another, please go to my website, www.homsaholistichealingandayurveda.com or email me at Sherry at homsaholistichealing.com. Or you can contact me on Facebook, Sherry Berjanski. I offer Ayurveda consultations, Reiki energy healings, reflexology and Ayurveda foot massage, tarot card readings, angel card readings, and much more. If you found this podcast helpful, please share an episode so that we can spread this wonderful wisdom of healing. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, take care. Namaste.